This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. A couple of years ago, I did a show on cheeses of the Central Coast. We explored how cheese is made, visited the very few creameries on the Central Coast, and had a fabulous cheese tasting at a local fromagerie. But that show left out the most important element of our enjoyment of cheese, the animals. So that got me thinking, is there more to the animals than just taking their milk? That led to who has milking herds on the Central Coast. The answer to that is, I think, two farmers, Cal Poly's milk cow herd, and someplace a little more unique, a bit more niche. That's Stepladder Creamery in Cambria, and their herd of not cows, not sheep, but goats. So off I went up into the hills above Cambria, where there is no phone signal, no traffic, and no clean shoes to meet some goats and find out how they give us such delicious cheese. My name is Michelle Rudolph. I am the owner of Stepladder Creamery along with my husband, Jack Rudolph. We are the managers, well, mostly him, of Stepladder Ranch, which is where Stepladder Creamery resides. And Stepladder Ranch is owned by Jack's family. Jack and I run the ranch, and that's Jack right there. And then we own the creamery. Jack, this is my husband, Jack. Hi, Jack. Nice to meet you. Thanks for letting me come on your farm. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry, it took a year. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And how long has the creamery been going? It's going to be about six years old next spring. And we're one of the youngest people and youngest farmstead dairies to still be functioning in our county. So there is Cal Poly, and then there is the Longpoke Dairy Prison. We're the only two farmstead where we have raised our animals and make the cheese on the property. So we raise our goats here and then we buy cow's milk from Cal Poly. And that used to be different 100 years ago. Yes, so I don't know the exact logistics, but the dairy farming was very like large and prominent in the area. Um, this is actually an old dairy barn, and this is where our girls get milked and our creamery where the cheese is made is all tucked inside of this historic barn. Due to drought, similar to what we're facing today, all the dairies in the San Francisco County did close, and they were predominantly cow dairies. We are a goat dairy for many reasons, but we also do have cows grazing the property for beef. So the ranch has been here since the 1800s, but it's been owned by Jack's family. His grandparents bought it in the early 80s. And then sadly, um, his grandmother died within a few years. And then 15 or 16 years ago, Jack's grandfather did sadly pass away. And he left the ranch to his three daughters. All three daughters, one lives in Templeton and the rest are in the Bay Area. And so they were kind of like, cool dad, like now we have this ranch, like now what? And they all had really young kids, like five-year-olds, one-year-olds some had newborn so it was kind of like now what and so the ranch was left to like the ranch manager and it was doing okay but the ranch was pretty dilapidated and the avocado orchard we have 40 acres of avocados they weren't doing that great so Jack went to school on the east coast and was at very a tech burnout that moved to his family's farm to kind of figure it out because they were considering maybe closing Jack came in and started revamping everything and well, he's not necessarily a farmer, he's a very good fixer, so more of a ranch manager. And was able to just like come in and redo a lot of things or implement things to make the avocados grow better and actually make the ranch profitable because it was not profitable and it was just a lot of money wasn't worth it at some point. Him being like a 23-year-old, really interested in food, his friend in the Bay Area had a ranch and he would babysit the dairy goats because you have to milk them twice a day, every day. He's a really adventurous cook and he started making cheese at his house. So then when he moved here, he brought some goats with him and was managing the ranch and then in his off time was making cheese. He like had converted a refrigerator into like an aging room. I met Jack kind of at the inception phase. We're both Bay Area natives and so we just kind of got along really well and we both like to work too much. So within three weeks of dating him, I started having my own milking shifts because we have to milk at 7 a.m. at 7 p.m. And we only had about 15 or so 
goats and sheep. We had sheep back in the day. So I just started milking for him and helping him out because he was just so busy all the time. And we could never like go on a date because he would have to go back and milk the goats. He could never stay really at my place or he'd have to leave at four in the morning because he had to go milk goats. So it kind of became this thing where we both just started working together. And then within a year, I knew pretty quickly that I was going to marry him. And I'm pretty sure he did too. It worked out, haha. -ha. Within a year, we opened up this business. So we had about 15 dairy goats. We X the sheep. Sheep are a little harder to deal with and lactate less. So we decided just to do goats. Since then, we've grown about 50% each year. And we're going to, I think, kind of cap it. This is kind of our happy medium. We're doing goat's milk in the beginning, just farmstead. And then we realized if we wanted to keep our one employee who still works here, she's on maternity leave. Hey, Farah. We wanted to keep her year round. We realized that we had to start to make income when the goats weren't lactating because the goats are seasonal milkers. So we started buying cow's milk and then we're like, well, this is great. It opened us up into doing local farmers markets and then having wholesale accounts and retail accounts. And so it just kind of slowly and naturally expanded with a lot of blood, sweat and tears and persistence. So can we have a look at your goats? Of course. Okay. So let's actually start with the babies over here. These girls in particular were born about late February, early March. We officially got all the naming done yesterday. Wow. So do you mind getting jumped on? No, I'll be okay. Okay, cool. They're very friendly. <laughs> you can always just like jump in one of these little pens right here. This is Carolina Reaper. Hi, goat. I only just memorized oh. her name, not gonna lie. They oh, here they are coming. Hi, whoa, you weren't kidding about yeah. <laughs> Hi. If you get overwhelmed, you can just like stand in there. We raise them to be very friendly. They're born and then they're with their moms for a few days, getting all that colostrum and that love. And then afterwards we do separate them and put them in different pens. Typically we have indoor pens and then eventually once they're old enough, they move to these outdoor pens. Dairy goats, their moms have very large udders. They're not like a natural udder that you'd find in nature. Like they're bred for milk. So they have really large udders. And so they'll get damaged because the babies will have teeth and they'll go a little rough on them. And then they tend to get mastitis and whatnot. It just typically doesn't fare very well. And then also the moms produce too much milk. So the babies will overdrink. It's unhealthy for them. Another reason is they become super friendly. Like these girls right here. Eventually these girls are gonna be working moms. They're all working animals. So they need to be like in love with people basically <laughs> and we'll definitely go in the mom pen and you'll see how easy they are to handle when they're young they're a little jumpy aren't we what happens to the male baby goats uh, we basically put them on craigslist and they go to a good home uh, and we do race them ourselves for meat because goat meat is really tasty <laughs> okay babies this is enough <laughs> maybe we'll go out this is kcbx central coast public radio i'm father ian and i'm playing with food on issues and ideas I'm high above the coastal village of Cambria in the middle of a herd of baby goats who will one day soon be the key to beautiful cheese. Or if we actually jump this fence right here, we can uh, see the moms and they're a little less crazy. Why don't they have ears? So these are a La Mancha breed. A lot of people think they're from Spain, but they're actually a breed that originated in Oregon. They're a hybrid dairy and meat breed. They just don't have ears because goats that come from, the, so they're from the United States, we don't have windstorms. We don't need wind protection. So they have these little docked ears, which are super cute. And they just have a tiny little, like basically like an elf ear. La Manchas are known for their extreme friendliness. Yeah. And then we'll just listen. They're very quiet. So when Jack and I, we live, you know, just uh, arms away from the creamery, when we were like doing this, we had sheep as well, but they were very loud and very needy. And we're like, if we're gonna do this forever, 
let's have at least some quiet animals. Also, these La Manchas are known for their high butter fat and good uh, lactation. So we'll choose what breeding stock we want to have to continuously improve our herd. Um, right now we're milking 59 and our goal is to always milk 60, so 59 is pretty good. Our goal is to have less animals that milk a higher amount and that are very healthy. We're getting there, but every year we try something new with a different buck, with a different genetic bloodline, or if we like a certain buck to a certain bloodline, then we'll just rebreed the same animal to the same buck. So we play a lot of Match.com and all of that out here. <laughs> Do you want to go see the moms? Yeah. Ooh, what time is it? We can maybe go see them getting milked. We're actually on our last group of bean milks. So I'll show you that really quickly. So they get milked and then they come and eat their breakfast. And then we'll let them in one of the different pastures, take them on a walk. Uh, we clean their pen every day. And you can see it gets pretty dirty pretty quickly. They get milked twice a day, every day. We do 7 a.m. and then 4 p.m. And we milk nine and a half months out of the year. What causes them to not lactate those other three months? You have to have babies in order to lactate. We could give them a hormone or stagger their birthing season so that we have lactation year round, but they just, basically around Thanksgiving, they just have less milk. Their bodies just can't produce it. And there are things that you can do, but we do a natural way of doing it. This is Sophie, our herd manager. So you can milk four at a time? We milk six, but right now Isabella all the way on the right, you can see the head gate next to her is empty. She actually doesn't do very good with grain, sugar. So she is on a separate diet and so we put her a stall away from everybody else so she doesn't steal their grain. You milk them twice a day. How much milk do they produce? A really good dairy goat on average is going to milk one gallon per day. So in the morning we're going to get more than half a gallon, and then in the evening we're gonna get a little less than half a gallon. But in total, about a gallon per animal. Gabby milked 17 pounds, which is over two gallons last month. But some did not lactate that at all, so the average is about one gallon. And how long does it take to milk all of your goat? You, you said you have 59. So we start at seven, and that includes sanitizing all the equipment and getting everything set up. And so from start to finish with cleaning and all that, seven to about 10:30, but the active milking process is probably only about two hours long and each goat will take three to ten minutes depending on the animal to milk out some have smaller teat holes with more milk some have big teat holes with a little bit of milk so some are done really quickly and some take a little bit longer and we also do like a lot of sanitation processing like we wipe their udders we dip them in an iodine teat dip then we wipe it off and then we strip the milk we insert the inflation and then we dip the udders the process takes a long time per animal that's them being milked. Yes. Where does the milk go now? See that metal pipe thing above the inflations? Yeah. So, and you see all of these metal pipes? Yeah. So then everything gets pumped into our milk house right over here. So you can see the metal goes into that tank and we have a chiller which cools down the milk so it goes into a refrigerated tank. The colder you get it, the faster the less bacteria count you have in there. And we have very, very clean milk. You wipe down their udders and stuff. And it goes through a filter. Oh, it goes through a filter. Yeah, it goes through like this long filter. And we also filter it and we pump it into the creamery. So it goes in there. And then um, we have the goat tank, which we use the goat milk every um, three days, 72 hours, the time frame which um, you're supposed to use it in. And then we have our big cow tank that we get from Cow Poly the milk. And then on the clean side, we're not going to go in here today, but this is where all the magic happens in terms of cheese making. So all the milk gets pumped over here. And we have our vat pasteurizers. So this is a very sanitary environment. This is Robin, our cheesemaker. 
So actually we're making a triple cream ragged point. Uh, I can just tell by the way. Which I have at home. Nice. We have our vat and our pasteurizers basically pasteurized to kill any foreign bacteria. And then we add in culture and run it in order to acidify the milk. And then the culture allows it to take whatever form it's taking. So if we're making a cheddar cheese, we use a cheddar culture, a ragged point, triple cream, we use a triple cream culture and so forth and so forth. And then in the back over there is our cleaning machine. So you can see it's kind of like a giant dishwasher. That's our newest addition. Okay. We call him Jeff Goldblum. You can see the sticker based off of Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. I was thinking the fly, but <laughs> I'm a bit older. <laughs> I don't 100% understand why it's called that, but they do end up in a refrigerator in a kitchen because the velociraptors are chasing them. They end up in the kitchen yeah. and they go into the refrigerator. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, you would get, you want a job? You would get along with the creamery guys in there. That does make a lot of sense. So they stick all of the sanitary stuff. There's a lot of cleaning. Like there's a lot of cleaning. So like for instance, milking takes two hours and the rest of it is cleaning. There are the cheese molds. And so they probably just took the cheese out this morning um, that they made yesterday and they're gonna clean all the molds. So those white guys, they look like pretty much large cups or buckets. They have little tiny holes along the outside. So when you scoop the curd in, you stick the curd in, there's like a cheese cloth, but it's actually um, just like a sheet that goes over it that acts as a cheese cloth. So those two things are separate. We have the cup, we have the cheesecloth, and then we have the press on top. And then there's a holes that allow the whey to weep out. And that's how you press the cheese, the curd, to press it down to make it a hard cheese. So they're cleaning those right now. And then in the front, we will see our packaging room. And then hidden in the back, depending if people are in front or not, there are aging caves. So we have different caves for different humidity type temperatures of cheese. The triple creams require a higher humidity. Um, they also require like a refrigeration before they go into the humidity. So like all sorts of things to make these cheeses presentable to you when you open them up at your door or at your house. Super like nerdy way thing to like know about all the different cheese, like temperatures and all that. It's a really fun and interesting thing inside of there. So you can see as we walk down the hall, this is like a really old historic barn. Actually, it's a hundredth year anniversary was when Jack and I opened up the creamery, ironically and cutely enough. Um, and you can see that the different levels of wood. It's rumored that like a Dutch building company came up this road and built a bunch of dairy barns and everything was built with horse and steam and no nails. Obviously it's been reinforced since, but you can see the top where everything is kind of connected. It's really beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, which is was kind of fun that we were able to stick this creamery and dairy inside like for its original purpose. Jack and I actually built the creamery ourselves. It was a really fun four months. You are listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio. I'm Father Ian at Stepletter Ranch, learning about goats and goat cheese from Michelle Rudolph. I asked how many different cheeses she has. It's a lot. She described many of them and then landed on one of her favorites. A really favorite is the marinated fromage blanc. So it's a cow's milk cheese marinated in olive oil. And then all the spices, like we put a bay leaf, some fresh cracked black pepper, and a chili. And that cheese in particular is really special to Jack and I. The recipe came from Bev Michaels, who had Alcia Rosea Farms in Templeton. Bev hand milked 16 goats for about 16 years and made cheese. And a lot of our herd comes from her. So we like to call Bev our fairy godmother. <laughs> so when Jack started milking goats as a young 23-year-old man, he found Bev on Craigslist. And they became friends because he bought a lot of her stock. And when she retired, we purchased the remainder of her goats from her. 
So we have like our core cheeses, but then we rotate depending on the season. So when people think of goat cheese, people think of Chev, right? Totally, yeah. So Chev is the seasonal goat cheese. Because our goats only milk between March and November, um, it's very seasonal. There's a lot of cheesemakers out there that'll be like, Chev is the cheese, it's so easy to make. Okay, yes, it is an easy make, don't get me wrong. But you're just a cheesemaker, try being a farmer. The reason why our cheese quality is so good is because our animals are treated to princesses. So our cheese is so tasty because our milk quality is so high because our lifestyle for animals is so good. So easy cheese to make, but not really. It's a very hard cheese to make because the animal raising, the animal husbandry is very, very hard. So our goat cheese is just so creamy. It has so much flavor without being too goaty. Because of their lush lifestyle, they get really high quality grain, really high quality like alfalfa and oat hay. And they do have forage to like have different pastures where they can walk in and like kind of get their brain out of like whatever they're doing that day and go to different locations of the farm. So the Chev I think is best in the spring and summer. What's really fun about it is if you're into our Chev and you buy it often, you'll see the flavor profile change. So in the spring, nutty, buttery, like springtime, you can almost taste the terroir of the grass. <laughs> in the spring when they have their kids, the grass is green and they have the most nutritional milk for their babies to survive. So we always give the milk back to the babies, even if the moms aren't administering it, we give it to them, we don't use formula. And then, you know, as the babies would naturally start to wean off, so does the milk butter fat. So then as the season goes on, the babies would then considerably drink less. The milk then does start to change. In the fall, when they're in heat, so they want to mate, they actually, their butter fat kind of kicks up which is kind of interesting and then also like during heavy acorn falls because they have that natural forage they eat like a ton of acorns and the butterfat will just go right back up but it starts to get a little pheromony as a way of putting it so a little bit goaty and so there's that day in the make where we try the cheese and we try the chev and we're like all right this might be the last chev of the season still good it's just a little bit more goaty but once again it is super interesting to follow the flavor profile throughout the year so the goats will then continue to milk. And so we start making Cabrillo, which I, I mentioned is that goat cow blend. And so the cow kind of hides that goatiness, but then the goatiness has this beautiful, like tangy flavor to it. The funk of the goat is really nice and a hard cheese. So we've just learned to work with our seasons and what we have. But I have a story. I went to Morocco and tried goat cheese there. And I was like, wow, this is so different what is that taste and I just like couldn't put it together and as we're driving back I'm like oh I noticed their terroir so just like California has a ton of oak trees Morocco I was on the coast very similar to where we are here like on the coast they have argon trees and so they have the argon seeds or berries or whatever they're called or nuts whatever so the goats eat all of those and that was the flavor their terroir really makes a huge difference. There's a lot of animals that don't have a terroir. They just live in a feedlot. And you can taste that too, but ours don't. They just have, I mean, they live a really good life. A really good life. And that's something that we will always, always do and go broke before we let them live a bad life. When I have to say grace at a public meal, I often give thanks for those who produced and prepared the food that we are about to eat. It never occurred to me until now that these goats are a significant part of those who produce this cheese. Sure, Michelle and Jack choose their feed, their pastures, and even their shelter, and they live a, what did Michelle call it? A princess quality lifestyle. But the goats themselves still have to do their part. Without them, there is no milk, 
and no cheese. So let's give the goats some credit. Let's be glad that Michelle and Jack give them a princess lifestyle and that they know each one by name. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.